Come on, everybody in the room. Come on, lift a hand. Would you do that? Come on. You're in church today. Let's lift our hands. At home, you that are watching, come on, raise your hands right there in your home. We honor the Lord God Almighty, the God of heaven and earth. We worship you and ask you this morning for help and answers and remedy in our land. Heal our land. Heal our land, O oh God, of disease, of this virus. Father, our hearts are turned toward you this morning. We turn to you, Father. We repent. We ask you to help us, heal us, deliver us. We look to you, God Almighty, the only true God, the only Lord in heaven and earth. Work in our hearts, work in our city, work in our nation, work in this state, O oh Lord God. Father, work in the world this morning as we worship you, as we magnify you. Come on, one more time. Let's just lift our hands. We honor and we worship and praise the name above every name, the name of Jesus. Come on, can you say that name, Jesus? Jesus, the one who saves the one who delivers, the one who restores, as we've sung, the one who revives. We honor you in this room today in Jesus' name. Come on, everybody in the room and at home, can you give a clap offering this morning? Come on, come on, can we make some noise to the Lord God Almighty this morning? Welcome, 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 welcome. So glad that you're here with us and so glad that you're viewing online with us this morning. Why don't y'all go ahead and have a seat this morning? Thank you, thank you, thank you for being here with us. Wow, every week I'm thinking that we're going to have a breakthrough in, in uh, uh, things that are going on and things are going to change with um, Corona and we're going to get some answers and we're going to get remedy and we're going to see some breakthroughs. And how many know it's just been persisting going on and on? Right? Come on, it's been persisting. But how many know that we've got some endurance as children of God, right? We've got, some, we've got some endurance and we've got persistence and we've got the ability that God has given us to go through difficult times, to go through hard times just like the world is going through and to come out victorious on the other side. That God is a God who will revive us, restore us, renew us. Come on, how many of you believe that even in a time of crisis, God can do a new thing? Come on, everybody. Come on, we read these stories over and over in the Bible, and, and now I want to encourage you, don't disconnect yourself from the stories and the things that you read in the Bible and just somehow think, well, that was then and this is now. No, no, no. When we read these stories over and over in the Bible, we see God doing some miraculous things, signs and wonders that we just sung and miracles, and that's the same God today. So no matter what it looked like then in Genesis and Exodus and the plagues and maybe in the, in the nation of Israel with Pharaoh, come on, God can still do do some amazing things today so let your faith be directed up toward him and let's believe that God can do a new thing right now come on but the Bible says Isaiah prophesied and said God will do a new thing see it look for it expect it and so let that be your heart today regardless of what it looks like come on faith looks beyond what it sees faith looks to the unseen that's what 2nd Corinthians chapter 4 verse 18 says amen everybody Come on, everybody in the room, we got to get loud because they're watching online, so we got we to make sure that they're hearing us. 
Hey, our flow every every morning now, you know, coming into uh, this different season now that we've got an online audience still, but we've got a live audience, is after praise and worship, uh, we always want to give you an opportunity to sow financially into the kingdom of God. That means being generous with your generosity. And we're just so appreciative of, of everybody that is consistently tithing and sacrificing and giving offerings and, and just being generous over the top and not letting pressure and not letting maybe news that we constantly hear about what's going on and jobs or even situations that maybe we're experiencing detour us from the consistency in our devotion toward God and what God's called us all to do, which is to be generous. I, I want to read you a couple script, well, the same scripture in a couple different translations. It's in the book of Proverbs chapter 10, verse 22. It'll be familiar to you. It says this, the blessing of the Lord makes one rich and he adds no sorrow with it. Man, I just love that scripture. Notice that the blessing of the Lord. Come on, let me say the blessing. Come on, at home, come on, say the blessing. Come on, the blessing, the blessing. The blessing of the Lord makes one rich. Didn't say you're going to be a millionaire. Didn't say, you, you know, you're going to be driving around with, with 17 Rolls Royces. I mean, God really doesn't care about all that, but that's not what he's talking about. But it says that he'll add no sorrow with it. So in, in, in other words, there, there is a blessing that comes to every person who makes Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, and that blessing has got richness to it. Richness. I love what the Message Bible says. Look at this scripture, the Message Translation. It says, God's blessing makes life rich. God's blessing makes life rich. Nothing we can do can improve on God. So I, I hope you're learning that more money won't necessarily solve your problem. Another bedroom on your house won't solve your problem. It might, it might ease the kid's situation, but it's not going to give you any more happiness. A new car will only be new for the second you drive it off the lot, then it's called used. But the Bible says God's blessing makes life rich. The blessing of the Lord makes rich. And so I want to encourage you to remind yourself that the scripture tells you the minute you make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, you are blessed. You're blessed. You're not trying to get blessed. You're not wishing to get blessed. You're not crossing your fingers to get blessed. You're not going into the interview wondering if I am blessed. You're, you're not going through life wishing or wondering and praying, Lord, bless me. Lord, We don't have to pray, Lord, bless me. The Bible says he has blessed you with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. So, so come on, you are blessed. And since you are blessed, that blessing makes you rich. It gives you the power to live a great life. And nothing you can do can improve on that. So God is constantly trying to get us to think from his point of view so that we can experience everything that the great loving heavenly father wants us to experience. And one of the things is just be generous. Release what's in your hand, and you'll see God release what's in his hand, and your best days are days ahead. Amen, everybody? So thank you, everybody. Again, we don't pass the buckets in here anymore. There's a bucket back in the back in between some doors for those that are live with us this morning. Offering envelopes back there. If you want to still give cash or you want to give a check, that's back there. But again, we want to strongly consider or for you to consider keep giving online like you've been doing for the last three or four months now, and that'll just be a norm that you can give that way. Touchless giving. Come on, everybody. Let's pray. Lord, we love you today. We bring our tithes and offerings to you. And thank you that you're a great, great, loving Heavenly Father who does all things well. And you cause richness, fullness, satisfaction to come into our life. 
And so we want to give back to you what you've been so generous with us, Lord God. Where would we be without you? Where would we be without your direction? Where would we be without your help? Where would we be without your forgiveness? Where would we be without your mercy and grace? And Father, we just say thank you, thank you, thank you for pursuing us. And so we want to keep that moving forward and that we give and plant seed for the future, not only for our life, but for people who don't know you yet. Use these resources for the kingdom of God, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen and amen. Come on, amen, everybody room. Come on, amen. Still excited about giving? Yeah. And you that are online, of course, there's going to be some information that you can give uh, online as well. We appreciate that. We're in a series of lessons, everybody, uh, called How Do You Read It? We started four weeks ago, or this is our fourth week. Uh, really concerning uh, the situation that's been going on, not only in the United States, but the world, with uh, really the, 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 the pivotal point, the pivotal moment, kind of that, that uh, if you will, uh, the, the straw that broke the camel's back several weeks ago now with the murder of George Floyd and racial tension and all kind of things that really heightened in our, our, our city, our state, and the nation, and the world. And really what I'm doing is I want to bring to you again today direction from the Word of God that asks us some really hard questions and really uh, shows us maybe where we need to make change and, and, and we need to have the mind of Christ and we need to have a heart that's turned toward him and a heart that's open to exactly the people that God is open to, which you do know is all the world. God does not love one people group different than any other people group. He doesn't love one skin color different than any other skin color. He doesn't love one language different than any other language. And so the title of our lesson for the last several weeks has been this, How Do You Read It? It was based out of the Gospel of Luke where a religious teacher came to Jesus and said, How do I have eternal life? I mean, how do I have eternal life? And Jesus said this, what do the scriptures say? How do you read it? How do you read it? And the man on the heels of that said, love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. But he was trying to justify himself, and he said, who's my neighbor? And then Jesus told the story about the Good Samaritan. That's where we get that story. So, So the preface for the story of the Good Samaritan was a man wanting to know how to have eternal life. How to have eternal life. And guys, let let, let me me just stop and pause right now. If you miss this one part, I think you're going to miss the whole thought that Jesus is trying to tell us and God's trying to get us to see. Is that loving God is absolutely 100% the way you get to heaven. But God wants you to make a difference on the earth. You can't just love God and not love people. You have got to love God and you've got to love people passionately. Listen to me, not just your people meaning your family and your friends, not just the, your people of your own skin color or your own dialect, uh, your first language. You've got to love all God's children. Come on, somebody. Can I get a clap up here in the church this morning? Yeah. Let's read a couple of scriptures. We're, we're going to have a lot of scripture today. I, we encourage you to write scriptures down. We encourage you to take screenshots on the screen because we, I, I want you to get this. So let's, let, let, let's go hot and heavy for the next 30 minutes or so, and let's get, us, uh, let's get this in us. 
Uh, Moses was a great leader, and Moses has died, and now Joshua has taken the children of Israel, going to take them to the land of promise. They cross over the, 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 the Jordan River, and, and they're getting ready to go and conquer the first city, which is going to be Jericho. And, and before they do, God tells Joshua, hey, man, you've got to circumcise all the men. They haven't been circumcised. You've got you to sanctify yourself. You've got a covenant with me. And, and, and so Joshua does all that. And the night before they're getting ready to go into Jericho, the night before th- th- this is all getting ready to happen, uh, the Bible says this, that, that Joshua's by himself in Joshua chapter 5, verse 13. Check it out. Joshua lifts up his eyes, and he looks, and behold, a man. Come on, let me say a man. A man. Whenever you see a capital M-A-N in the Old Testament, this is an appearance of Jesus in physical form in the Old Testament. This isn't an angel. This isn't the, sometimes it'll say the, the capital A, angel of the Lord. That is an appearance of Jesus in the Old Testament. Here, this man is Jesus. It's God. It's Jesus in the Old Testament. And he shows himself to Joshua, and it says he stood opposite him with his sword drawn in his hand. That ought to get you attention. And Joshua, as a warrior, it went, he says that he, stood, he went to him. And he said to him, are you for us or for our adversaries? Joshua is a warrior. He only knows war. He only knows conquest. And he says, are you for us or for our adversaries? And check out the answer in verse 14. So he said, the man said, God said, the angel of the Lord said, no. Are you for us or against us? No. Are you for me or my adversaries? No. But as commander of the army of the Lord, I have now come. Crazy scripture. Are you on my side? Are you on their side? Neither. No. Are you for my enemies? Are you against my enemies? Neither. No. What we are finding now, and you are finding now in our society, there is a line drawn, and everybody wants you to pick a side. Everybody wants you to say, are, are you for Black Lives Matter, or, if, or are you for defunding the police? Are you for Fox News or for you CNN? Are you for this flag or not that flag? Are you for burning down statues or keeping statues? Everybody wants you to pick a side. My admonition to you from the word of God is don't pick a side. Pick God. Can I get an amen up in the room? Man, God in the Old Testament is telling Joshua, you need to be standing on my side. You need to be on my side. His sword is drawn. He can't go any further. You need to get this right. Make sure everything you do in everywhere you go, in the places you go, in the people you meet, in the conquests I have for you, that you take my side. And so the Bible says, we didn't read it, but the Bible says that Joshua actually falls on his face in reverence, falls down in reverence, bows his knee, we could say, worships God Almighty, and then he just simply says, what are you saying to me? That's what he said. What are you saying to me? What do you want me to do? Well, what do you want me to do? I, I want to encourage you. Listen, we are living in tumultuous times. We're living in volcanic times. We're living in times of eruption, and a lot of it is great that I believe and I trust is going to bring social change in, in the black community, social change in the Hispanic community, social change in every skin color different than mine. I, I believe this. I believe God wants us to really take this opportunity to see change all across barriers of racial, racial tensions and racism in our country. But we have to make sure that we don't necessarily pick a side. We pick God. We pick God. Now, picking God will make you 
pick a side. But make sure the side is the side God is standing on. Do you get that? So the word has to be your guide. His thoughts have to be your guide. Not my race, not my skin color, not my nationality, not my ethnicity, not my beliefs, not what mom and dad taught me. His word has to be my and your guide. And my prayer for you, my prayer for me, is that I would spend time worshiping God, saying, what are you doing? Change my heart. Lord, what are you saying to me? And praying and making sure that I am hearing correctly. We want to be on God's side. We don't want to be on culture side. We don't want to be on opinion side. We, again, we don't want to be on my own race's side. We want to make sure we're on God's side. Last week we said this. I want to give it to you one more time. Look on the screen. Our personal interaction with God should produce within us qualities of character that build and sustain all our relationships. So one more time, our personal interaction. So your interaction that you have with God, the, 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 your prayer with God, you're coming to church and you're serving and, and you just being who you are, mom, dad, single, college student, high school student, whatever, should produce within us a quality of character that will build and sustain all other relationships. In other words, if it's good with you and God, it should be good with you and other people. If it's not if it's not good with if it's just good with you and God and not good with you and other people, something is wrong. We know that we need to love God, but the Bible says we need to love everybody else just like we love ourselves. So what does that mean? Come on, I want to give it to you real practical, real, real again, heartfelt, but but what the scripture says is that look on the screen, we need to help and heal the broken. We need to help and heal the broken. We need to fight injustice and inequity. This is scripture. We'll prove it in a minute. We need to stand with people who have been mistreated. We need to stand with people who have been marginalized. Stand with people who are poor, needy, and hurting. We need to fight racial disparity. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Maybe you haven't heard that. Maybe it's been something that we haven't talked about. Maybe it's been something we've overlooked. Maybe it's been something that, that's been uh, just in certain cultures, in certain churches, where, where, where uh, again, across the board in Christendom, people would say, well, maybe that's what they need, but that's not what we need because we're far removed from that. No, 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 no. The Bible says we're all one body. We're one body. There's not, the, my, my finger is not disconnected from the rest of my body. My, 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 my head is not disconnected from the rest of my body. It's one body. And Christ, the scripture says, sees us as one body. So we need to help. We need to heal. We need to go after the marginalized. We need to have consideration for the poor, the needy, the mistreated, racial injustice and, and inequality. It has to be burdened to us to actually do something pray about something, and help alleviate the pain that other people are going through. Can I hear an amen up in the house today? How about y'all at home? How about an amen back at the house? Now, I, I, I saw this quote this past week, and it was just too good to pass up, so I want to bring it to you this morning. This woman by the name of Anne Lamont says this, You can safely assume that you've created God in your own image when it turns out that God hates all the same people you do. My Lord and my God, if you think God hates the people you hate, you know you've made God in your own image. 
That's not scriptural. That's not a biblical narrative and perspective. And so when it comes to the situations that we're dealing with and the, the angst and the, the troubling times in our, in our nation and our cities and what's going on and people groups, we need to make sure, again, that our heart is broken, that we're like Joshua, that we fall on our face and we reverence God and we worship God and we say, what are you saying to me about this? What do you want me to do about this? How, how can I help? How, how can I be a proponent that breaks the cycle and this doesn't perpetuate? Uh, again, you know, you know, forgive me for just a second, but, uh, but I'm a grandpa now. Just uh, Grandpa number five this past week. Come on, shout out to, to, to Aria back there at the house and, and Taylor, beautiful granddaughter. Of course, I've got, I've got three others, and uh, Isabella and Madison and Major. I've got five grandkids now. I want it different for them. I want it different for my kids. I want it different for them. And, and, and so we're seeing what's going on, and we're seeing the trouble, and we're seeing the pain. And, and, and I, can't, I can't make God and create God in my own image that, that, that now, now God's hating who I hate. Or I don't want that. I, I want to change. And so maybe you're wrestling with some stuff. And, and, and am I for this or am I, am I against this? Make sure that you stand on the side of God. And I want to help you with your thinking, with our biblical thinking, this morning and that we, we, we can make some adjustments. We can make some adjustments. Uh, someone said this, does our humanity shape our ideas of God or does our, do we allow God to shape our ideas of humanity? So our humanity, what we think and what we feel and, and how we were raised and, and the part of town we were raised in and, and those people and us people and them people and those rich people and those poor people and, and those stealing people and those, and those, and, and, and those, those low-riding people and those, those got-to-have-that-kind-of-car kind of car people and all these different things and saggy jeans people and, and all that, whatever. And we start making all the prejudice and, and we start coming to terms with thinking that God is okay with you being okay with that. And so we've made God be okay with our inequity. And the scripture just tells us that's a lie. That's a lie. In the very beginning, I want to draw your attention back to the book of Genesis. In the very beginning... We, we know this, that God made man in his image and his likeness. And, and, and the lie that the enemy told Eve, it's very, it's very pointed. And I want to bring it out to you from Genesis chapter 3, verse, verse 5. The, the devil tells Eve this. Check it out. God knows that in the day you eat of it, eat of this fruit, Eve, your eyes are going to be open. Check it out now. And you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And you will be like God. God knows what's going to happen. You, if, if, if you eat of this fruit, God's keeping it from you. God's keeping this from you. So, so, so God knows that if you eat of this fruit, you're going to be like him. Hold, hold the phone, everybody. Adam and Eve, we just said it, Genesis 1.28, were made in God's image. We're made in God's likeness. But what the devil does is he tries to come to Eve, and then, and then Adam's sin tries to come to them, telling them, you're going to be like God. You, you can create a new version of God. Be like God. Be like God. You'd be able to know good and evil. They were already made in his image. They were already children of God. They were already sons, daughters of God. It's a lie of the enemy. Listen, look on the screen quick. The enemy's lie 
he lies to us about who we are and whose we are. Who you really are. You're God's child. Listen to me. This is every single person alive on the earth, alive on the planet. I don't care. Listen to me. I don't care if it's somebody, you know, back in, in 2001 with 9-11, the guys that did some stuff to, to America, other things going on in different parts of the world. Those people were made in the image and likeness of God. Every single person on the planet has been made in the image and likeness of God. Whether they've experienced him or not, whether they've yielded to him or not, whether they've received him or not, uh, that's the question. But the enemy will lie to you and I about who we are and whose we are, who we really are as children of God and who we belong to. He wants to bring a dissection. He wants to separate us from God's love. Romans chapter 8 says he wants us to be deceived. He is the great deceiver. So my, my plea, my prayer for all of us, how we read the scriptures concerning inequity, racism, prejudice, uh, 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 us against them, and, and skin color. Let, let me, let, this will affect your version of who God really is, and it will be misled, and it will lead you to wrong conclusions. And what we know from history is that the church many times has been on the wrong side of the fence of this issue. Uh, we know that. But it doesn't have to be that now, and it doesn't have to be that with you and me. Can you say amen? amen. I, I believe this, that all prejudice, all racial inequality stems from people not knowing, I'm talking about Christians now, not knowing that all men have been created in the image and the likeness of God. That somehow we, even though we read it, even though we see it, we separate our own experience and our own beliefs and our own upbringing from what the scripture says. Uh, the word prejudice, just simple definition, means this, a preconceived judgment or opinion. So prejudice means I have a preconceived judgment or opinion about that person about that skin color, about that language, about what they do, about that economic class. A preconceived judgment or opinion. Oh, you know, all the rich people, they're just trying to, pardon me, screw you over. And all the poor people, they're just trying to li li live, and live off the government. And all the people that live over there, you know, uh, they're, they're, just trying, they're just living over there for show because they, their mortgage payments are crazy and they, they got cars and they're in debt up to their... And, and so all, all this prejudice, all this prejudice, and all people, all white people, all black people, all, all, all brown people, all Asian people, and all that stuff that we have prejudice, that's preconceived judgment or opinion, making these blanket statements that are affecting our heart and affecting us and the ability to reach people for Jesus Christ. I believe God wants us to make change. I believe he's given opportunity of change right here, right now in our country and in our society. Paul writes in the book of Ephesians and he tells us this. He says that the cross of Jesus Christ broke down the wall of separation between us and God and us and one another. And he said, the scripture says, he created one new kind of man. One new kind of man. It's a man 
or a woman who has been reconciled to God and is now one with him and can be one with another. Come on, somebody. Listen, if we don't get this right, heaven's going to freak people out. How many of the book of Revelation says there's all languages, there's all tongues, there's all cultures, there's all, there's all skin colors? Come on, everybody. Come on, everybody. We got to get it right. Come on, we got to get it right. We got to get it right. And I believe God's given us an opportunity. We said this last week that the problem isn't a skin issue. The problem is a sin issue. Again, so let's get this right. It's not, it's not just skin. We're, we're, we're looking at it that way. It's just a skin issue. No, 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 no. Deep down. Come on, deep down. Let's be like Joshua. Let's bend our knee. Let's worship. Let's ask God what he's saying. You know, whose side are you on? No, no, I want to be on your side. It's, it's not just skin. It's a sin issue. And what I know about sin is that everybody in the room, including me, we've been guilty of sin. Can everybody just say amen? But we know, we just read it, that we've been made in God's image and his likeness, and God has given man the ability, Genesis 1, first book of the Bible, God's given us the ability to rule and to reign all over the earth, to have dominion over the earth, over everything God created. Listen, what God did not give you dominion over is to rule over somebody else. God never gave man the dominion to rule over other men. Can't find it in Scripture. So let's just stop and drill down for a second here. Slavery can never be God's will because a man would be ruling over another man. Can never be God's will. And yet, from the beginning of time, somehow... That was okay in Christian circles. It's not okay. So since it's not okay with God, it can't be okay with you. It doesn't mean if you're an employer that you're not having employees, but the scripture is real clear. Even me, as an employer with employees I have, is that I have to treat them like they are servants of God. And I have to honor them. I have to respect them. And you can't be harsh with them sometimes. Come on, somebody, say amen. It doesn't mean you're not leading. It doesn't mean you're not, but, but how you treat. It's all about how you treat one another who has been made in the image and the likeness of God. But what we do know from Scripture is that from the very beginning, man, as we said a moment ago, the lie of the enemy has been defining and redefining what is good and what is evil to take advantage of other people. And so we see this, that the Bible unfolds the story constantly, that there's this progression that happens on a personal level, on a family level, on a community level, on a cultural level, then on a mankind level of this progression where somebody, somebody does something and it morphs and it keeps taking down a path of evil and evil and more darkness and more darkness where you find story after story in the book of Genesis and the book of Exodus until all of a sudden this Pharaoh completely impoverishes and enslaves the nation of Israel. But what we find out, guys, listen to me, is that God had a plan. I want to read it to you. I hope you get this this morning because I got to talk fast. Genesis chapter 18, God had a plan to start again, if you will, this is before the book of Exodus with a man called Abraham. A man called Abraham. And check out what God said why he chose Abraham. Genesis 18, 19. God says, for I have known him. 
in order that he may command his children and his household after him, that they may keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice, and that the Lord may bring to Abraham what he has spoken to him. God says, I've got this man. The story is that God went down with two angels to Sodom and Gomorrah, and he's going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah because of the evil and the sin that's going on, the culture there and the city there. And God just says, I'm done. And so he takes Abraham, and Abraham's there with his wife Sarah, and Abraham cooks a meal for God. This is God. This is Jesus in the Old Testament with two angels shows up, and he cooks him a meal. And then God, Jesus in the Old Testament says, shall I hide this thing from Abraham, what I'm about to do? Since Abraham, I know him. I know him. I know him that he's going to teach and he's going to train his kids and, and he's going to do righteousness and he's going to do justice and I'm going to bring to Abraham what I've spoken to him. And so God then talks to Abraham about what he's going to do. And then Abraham goes to pray and try to plead God down, really intercession prayer from God not destroying Sodom and Gomorrah. But, but I want you to see is that, is that God chose Abraham because he'd do three things. He'd do three things. And if God chose Abraham because he was going to do three things, listen to me. Every mom, every dad, every single person, I think your ears need to be open and you need to lean in because God's looking for this in you and me. I really believe now, maybe more than ever, number one, that God chose him because he would command his family and his household after him, number one. He'd tell his kids what's right, his household, his kids, and his household means his servants. He had people that were working there for him. He would raise, he, he would be a, a propagator of what was right and what was truth and what God wanted. He, he'd teach and he'd train his kids. We're not racist up in here. We don't talk to people like that up in here. We don't treat people like that up in here. We don't curse at the, at the waitress when she, bring, when she brings it cold when it's supposed to be hot. That's not what we do up in here in this family. We're going to treat people with honor and respect. We're going to treat our neighbors with honor and respect. If they throw trash over our fence, we'll go clean up the trash. And we're going to maybe have a little conversation with them. But we're going to walk in love. That's what we do in our family. I'm going to command my children. I'm going to my household after me. Second thing that God said that he knew this man was going to do was that he was going to do righteousness. We'll talk about it in a second. He's going to do righteousness and he's going to do justice, number three. He's going to do righteousness and he's going to do justice. Do righteousness and do justice. Let's talk about that real quick. To do righteousness means that Abraham was going to do right for people and between people. That if Abraham had to be a mediator, if Abraham had to break up a fight, if Abraham had to be a go-between, that he would do that. That to do righteousness means that he would do right for people and between the people. He, he, just, wouldn't, he, he, he just wouldn't stay on the sidelines. He was going to actively get involved. He was actively and aggressively going to get involved. And to do justice, check it out, means that he would be actively involved in seeking out and restoring vulnerable people and those who are being taken advantage of. Notice, vulnerable people and those being taken advantage of. So I'm going to do justice. I'm going to actively be involved. I'm going to seek out. I'm going to restore. This is what the Good Samaritan did. Anybody who was vulnerable, anybody who was being taken advantage of, I was going to get involved. I'm, I want you to get involved. I want you to teach your family, train your family, and those that are with you to do righteousness to do righteousness, to do what's right for people and between people, and that you do justice. You actively seek out. You be a proponent of change. In high school, you don't sit in the sidelines when that kid's getting bullied. No, you be a just person. 
If you're hearing stuff at work and, the, and around talking about different people, groups, or whatever, you just shut it down. No, that's not who we are. You don't allow that. You stand up. It doesn't mean that you have to give all your money to the way, with the, the, uh, way to the person uh, on the court, cardboard sign holding out. But, but it means that your heart has to be broken. Maybe, that, maybe you just say a prayer. Maybe you do give some dollars. I, whatever. But you've got to be, you, you got to say, God, what side am I on here? What, what side are you on? Help me. Help me be righteous. Help me be just. Help me raise my kids and teach my family to do what honors you. Can I get an amen up in the house this morning? Man. So listen, God was interested in Abraham not just being right with him. He was The, the scripture calls him the father of our faith. So what Abraham did in the book of Genesis, God, he, he's kind of like a, a living example of how our heart needs to be directed toward God. He wasn't a perfect man, did a lot of mistakes just like you and just like me, but God never left him and his heart would constantly come back to God. And, and so God, listen, God chose him because he was going to do this. He was going to speak to his family. He was going to stand for righteousness and he was going to stand for justice in the land that was an evil and a wicked land. It wasn't just about spiritual things. It was about cultural things and society things and things that were going on all around him. It wasn't just, well, you know, I'm going to close my eyes to that. I, you know, that's the bad world. And so I'm just going to be the church guy and, and, you know, huddle around with some church people and, and kumbaya, Lord, and come soon, Lord, and, and to hell with the world. No, we need to be actively involved in people, with people who are changing society and stand arm in arm and do what God's asking us to do. Can I get an amen up in here? Two more scriptures in closing. Prophet Jeremiah says this. But let him who glories glory in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord exercising loving kindness and judgment and righteousness in the earth. Listen, you want a glory? You, 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 want, you want a glory that you know and understand God? Then you need to exercise loving kindness and judgment and righteousness just like he does. For I delight in these things. I delight in these things. You want to be like God? Exercise righteousness. Exercise justice. Exercise loving kindness. Uh, to to who? Who, who, who? Who am I supposed to do that with? Just people who look like me? People who talk like me? People who are like? No. Because he says in Jeremiah 22, 3, the Lord says, execute judgment and righteousness and deliver the plundered out of the hand of the oppressor. Do no wrong and do no violence to the stranger, the fatherless, the widow, nor shed innocent blood in this place. He tells us exactly who our heart needs to be open toward. People who have been plundered. People who have been taken advantage of. People who have been oppressed. Don't do wrong or violence to the stranger. Don't take advantage of people. The fatherless. Come on, the orphan. The widow. Those that it will be easy to take advantage of. Don't do it. Don't shed innocent blood. Man, we're living a crazy time. We're living a time that's tense. We're living a time that's a lot of, again, like we said, a lot of sides. People want us to pick sides and people want us to choose. My admonition to you is to choose God, to choose his word, and in turn, it will turn you, it will steer you to do things with your life, to believe things with your life, to help the people he wants to help. What I do know, listen, in closing, is that the gospel message, listen, it's got to affect every man and make every man whole. 
The gospel message is for every man and has to make every man whole. It's not just, well, this people group. No, every single people group. So that has got to be our heart. That has got to be our focus. That has got to be our direction. Not what it's just, it's not not for for just for us and, and not against them. No, 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 no. God's for every single person. So this message, Jesus said, This message of the gospel needs to be preached into all the world, and then the end will come. We need to be people who are proponents, proponents of saying, God, work in me. God, change me. God, direct me. God, use me. God, what do you want me to do in this specific area, in this certain season, with this certain topic, with this certain situation in my community. Uh, Again, you can't change what's going on in Washington. You can pray. I can pray. But here's what we can do right now. We can get involved with the hurting, the needy, and the marginalized, and and the oppressed, and the downtrodden. We can get involved in all kinds of ways. So I'm asking you to bow your knee, bow your heart, and say, God, if there's any wicked way in me, change me. Change me, number one. And help me, help me make a difference in all kinds of hurting people. Help me with my finances. Help me be a blessing to, to, to the poor. Absolutely preach the gospel. Absolutely. But help me not just have a vertical relationship with you, Help me have a horizontal relationship with people who are far away from you. Use me, Lord God. Heal me, Lord God. Let me be an agent of change. Because he loves righteousness. And he loves and demands justice. Man, come on. Did you get something this morning? Wow. You know, uh, uh, I I tell you. Over the last several weeks, my heart's just been enlarged and seeing some things maybe I haven't seen before. And, and, and I want to encourage you, use this time wisely. You know, it's interesting. Somebody said, you know, this whole thing with COVID and all that, and, and here we are locked up and, and, and shelter in place. And then some things came up, heightened. I've always been there, but with racial tension. I really believe God's asking us some serious questions. Who are you going to be? Who are you going to be from now on? Come on, who are you going to be? What are you going to do? What are you going to believe? And I believe the word of God needs to be your standard. The angel of the Lord, God, the Old Testament, Jesus, had the sword drawn. Joshua, you're not going any further. Stop right there. Stop right there. We got to get this right. We got to get this right. Come on, bow your head. At home, bow your head. Heavenly Father, we pray. Help us get it right. Come on, let that your prayer be. Everybody in the room, at home, help me get it right. Help me get it right. Sin in my life, if there's racism in my life, prejudice in my life, prejudgment, my heart maybe hasn't broken for what your heart's broken for. Help me get it right. Help me get it right. Father, we pray for healing in our land. Not only the COVID situation, we do pray for that again. Lord God, heal our land of this ailment. Father God, but heal our land of this deep-rooted sin issue. Heal us of all prejudice against other people groups. Let us be open and aggressively seeking to help bring justice to the marginalized. 
to the afflicted, to the oppressed, to the poor, to the needy. The Spirit of the Lord was on you, Jesus, and you preached to the hurting and the broken. They were the people on the upper society, and they were people on the lower society. They were the ins and they were the outs. Every skin color, every race. We know heaven is multiracial, multiethnic. Every language worshiping and praising the Lord. Help us see it. Come on, with your head bowed, your eyes closed, if you're away from the Lord, you're away from God, I want to give you an opportunity right here in the room and you that are watching to make a shift, make a change. Scripture's real clear. If you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth, the Bible says you're going to be saved. So come on, make that adjustment. Make that change today. God's not going to cast you out. He's not going to walk away from you. He's going to walk into your life. So come on, right there. If you're away from Him today, if you know you're involved with actions, attitudes that's displeasing to him. Come on, this morning is your time to make it right. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. You in the room, repeat it after me.